0: And in community together in Jesus' name. This semester, maybe you've seen some of the posters around. We are going to look at the book of 1 Peter together. And some of you might be wondering why. Here's a couple reasons why. One, I think there's some themes in 1 Peter that really hit home for us as where we are today. Themes like hope, Lauren just prayed, obedience, grace, the practical Christian life. Themes about Jesus' suffering and victory for us. Themes, I think, really will hit home for us this year and this time. But also, it's, a, it's, a, it's one that a lot of us haven't spent a ton of time with. So we could do that together. And it's one that's short enough that we're going to go through the whole book as we go. So as you walk out the doors today, you'll find there's a, there's a little small flyer with the, the theme on the front, uh, standing firm in grace, encouragement for First Peter, and the back has the scripture text that we're going to be going through each week. So if you want to track along with us and read ahead for each Tuesday, grab one of those and take it with you, and uh, a great chance for us to do that together. Let's give a little background of First Peter. Get the big picture. First Peter, maybe not surprising, written by Peter who is one of the apostles, one of the twelve who spent those three years with Jesus and was known for, for blurting things out and his great fall and denial of Jesus and then amazing restoration. This is the one who wrote this letter. He wrote it to a bunch of churches in the region of what we would say to now what we call Western Turkey or Asia Minor. And these different, these different regions, these different churches in, the, in these regions, uh, were, were going to receive this letter as a circular letter. So it was meant to go to all these different folks through messengers. Who who take them there? It was written in that place, the, those those regions in Turkey were well under the reign of the Roman Empire. So this is Roman religion, society, culture, expectations, and it's on a big trade route and the urban centers. They'd be expected to follow the religious practices of Rome. And Rome was they didn't like it when immigrants came in and muddled with that and messed things up. So that's the context of 1 Peter, and we get this letter from Peter, we'll see. And we're going to look at just uh, two verses from the beginning and one verse from the end as we set the tone for this series this semester. Um, We're going to try something a little different this year as we continue to find ways to be uh, interactive and embodied together. I invite you to stand for the reading of God's Word. 1 Peter chapter 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen and destined by God the Father and sanctified by the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and to be sprinkled with his blood. May grace and peace be yours in abundance. And then verse 12. I've written this short letter to encourage you and to testify that it is the true grace of God. Stand fast in it. Stand firm in it. You may be seated. Before we go, before we dive in and really unpack that scripture, I'm going to invite up uh, one of our newer faculty members here at Whitworth. B. Zhao is a pro- poli side professor here, and uh, she started this past summer. And B, come on up. And I asked B to share. Yeah, we can welcome B. You can come this way, B. Come you. on over this way. Um, I asked B to come up and share because she has part of her story that I think could help us uh, understand 1st Peter better and we're going to just hear a little bit of of your story. So B, first tell us why and when you came to America from China.
1: Um, I came to the United States in 2009 and I came to uh, Purdue University, Indiana to study a graduate program in political science.
0: And what were some of the biggest challenges you faced being a foreigner in the United States?
1: Well, I first came, of course, there are a lot of differences. You know, why the large cup from McDonald's is so big. And, <laughs> <laughs> and s- some of the challenges, of course, food, right? I miss my mom's cooking, and I need to, you know, I don't even know where to get ingredients. Where do I get my groceries? I don't have a car, so I go to um, this local Chinese church every Friday night, not because I'm interested in Christianity, but because they can take me to Walmart afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> but deeper down, I think there is this uncomfort and fear fear and sense of uncertainty. Like, do I belong? Do I understand the culture well enough? Or am I accepted here?
0: Mm, Yes. Excellent. You know, let's spread out a little bit. Let's take off our masks. Hopefully Garrett can get us on the screen still. The YouTubers. Um, Tell us about your religious backgrounds growing up in China.
1: So I grew up in an atheist family, and as a matter of fact, uh, the entire country is ruled under um, communist parties, which rejects any Western religions, including Christianity. So I really, growing up, knowing very little about any religion.
0: So I know this could be a lot longer conversation, and maybe some of us would to have it with you, but tell us the, the quick version of how you became a Christian.
1: Yeah, um, so as someone who's been studying social sciences and uh, humanities, I always have this desire in me to know what is truly good, what can be called a uh, truth. So when when I read the Bible and Jesus claimed himself to be the truth, the way the life I was immediately drawn. And the more I studied it and I found that um, uh, there are a lot of things that cause sins in me, <laughs> that mm. like pride and, you know, this confidence in my own uh, achievement. Uh, but it doesn't stop there. It didn't stop there. Um, it, it gives me hope, too, and it comes from, it, and I come to the understanding that it's not just another philosophy or social thinking. It's a, a personal relationship you can have with the one who created everything. So that's the point when I decided to surrender my life to Jesus.
0: Mm. How long did it take before that happened? How how long were you in America before you decided to surrender to Jesus?
1: Um, I was baptized actually the first Easter, so Mm. a little bit over uh, six months.
0: Mm. And once you started following Jesus, what are a couple of the ways you started feeling like a foreigner in your own home culture and family?
1: Yeah, I re- still remember the first time uh, we went back to China after we become after I became a Christian, and I saw all those ancestor worshiping uh, going on, uh, which is part of the traditional culture, which something I probably would not notice before. But now I'm starting to thinking, you know, is this idol worshiping, but then it involves families, how can I confront them in a loving way? Um, but I would also s- mention something else, is just a larger value system back at home. Uh, you might already know that China is a growing country, uh, getting uh, richer and more developed, so on a personal level, it becomes this culture of personal success, and your success is, is defined by your wealth and your fame and you know where you are in your career, so every time we go back, went back, I ha- we, ha- we felt this sort of like a pressure on us. Like, mm. uh, are you making enough money? Where? What are you doing right now? <laughs> we almost always have to come back in front of God and then reconcile and then seek, you know, w- the wisdom from God. How? how we definitely don't want to be part of this, encouraging this. But how can we love those around us?
0: Mm, wow! Wow! So much more we could hear. But B, thank you so much for sharing. Let's Welcome. thank B together. Thank you. Thank you, B. So that first word from Peter to the exiles, to the immigrants, to the outsider, the resident alien. This is who the letters addressed to, to those who feel like B felt coming to America for the first time, and then she felt even more in a different way going back to China as a follower of Jesus to. Those outsiders. I think B's experience gives us a little bit of a glimpse to what Peter is doing and who he's talking to. There's something different about these people. The people who are receiving this letter, there's something different about them. They are outsiders, resident aliens. And why? He tells us because they're chosen, chosen by God the Father. And one of the things you might need to know about First Peter, we'll probably come back to this a few times, is 1 Peter, 1 Peter has some of the most complex Greek in the whole New Testament. So there's lots of different ways we can translate. You'll see this morning that, that uh, the work I've done kind of getting ready for this and the things I've read and studied, it's a little different than the version I read this morning in terms of how it plays out in some of the little details. One great way to do that, if you don't know Greek, is to look at different, different translations of the Bible or take Jonathan Moo's Greek class sometime, and then, like I did, and get refreshed on your Greek, and then you can really do it in Greek. Either way, a great way to do it is just grab four translations, look at them, and see. And you see, actually, the first thing Peter says is, to the chosen ones. Their primary identity, as Peter writes this, is the chosen ones. You're the chosen ones. And how are you chosen? What does that mean? Well, you're ones who are sanctified by the Spirit, Ones who are sanctified, set apart, set apart for special purposes, holy purposes. Another way to say that is you are in the realm of holiness now, enabled by the Spirit of God. Sanctify is a fancy Christian word, it just means set apart. It's like that special, you know that special made china or bowls or something, you come out for holidays and no no other time. Anyone else have that growing up? I do, at at my family growing up. And, And they come out and say, oh, that's the special ones. You are chosen and set apart for holy purposes. A different way of living, a different way of being, a different set of values, like he was just saying. And not just that, by the Spirit, but also, how is it? How is it that we are set apart? Well, by the obedience and the sprinkled blood of Jesus. That's how we are set apart. Jesus' life of obedience in our place, his death and blood on our behalf, that sets us apart and makes us this new chosen people, the people of God. We now are God's people, a different type of people. We are resident aliens, and Peter writes to them. You hear these echoes of the Old Testament. First Peter uses more Old Testament references than any book in the Bible except for Revelation, per verse. And we hear it in this, this verse right here, chosen, just like Abraham, chosen. People who are set apart, scattered but also people who suffer. People of Israel suffered. Jesus suffered. And we as God's people should expect to suffer for following Jesus. See, as we seek to follow the Lordship of Jesus Christ, submit to Jesus as Lord in our lives, we now need to expect to suffer for it. Expect to be ones who are suffering there was not a widespread persecution going on at the time uh, uh, of this writing, but they were more, it was more local. These people had, because they didn't participate in the Roman religious culture, they were pushed to the side. Their allegiance to Christ won them scorn and vilification. And I wonder how it looks like for us today. As ones who are chosen by God, set apart by the Spirit for a life of holiness in Christ, what does it mean for us in America today? We may not face overt physical persecution, but we have other ways that we might stand out, might not fit in, might choose suffering if we really submit to Jesus as Lord. Think about our sexual ethics. Graduating, oh, just just get one apartment, it's no big deal. Uh, Actually, I want to honor God in the way I, I choose to wait to have sex until a covenant of marriage. Or pornography, oh, you know, everyone's doing it, it's just part of being a human animal. But I want to honor God with my thoughts and others around me and love them and care for them and live in the wholeness of what it means to be human. Or thinking about gossip or drinking or even giving up something for Lent or picking up a practice for Lent. These things don't make sense. Thinking about politics. You can't fit in as a Democrat or Republican because neither one aligns with the kingdom of God. Just one example, think about life. We care about life in Jesus from the womb to the tomb. You can't choose a political party that really gets both those well. So you got to be a follower of Jesus first and take the scorn that goes with it. This is what Peter's saying to us, Bandion, come on up. We are chosen by grace, set apart as God's holy people, and Peter's word to us is this: You're going to suffer, but grace and peace be you in abundance. I write to encourage you and testify to the grace of God. Stand firm in it. Stand firm in it. Remind yourselves, God's love in Christ makes us a new people, a set-apart people. It's going to be worth it in the end as God's peace covers us, knowing that He has the end of the story wrapped up, and we know that because of the life and death and resurrection of Jesus on our behalf. Grace and peace. And so we step into the river, the river of the semester, the river of our lives, and we don't just run away from it, the world, nor do we just go with the flow. Instead, Peter says, stand firm. Stand firm in the grace of who you are as God's chosen people, beloved in the Father, set apart in the Son, and sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Let's let's meditate on that as we hear this last song. Feel free again to stand or sit or take whatever posture feels right for you.